welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. In this series, we've been doing food illustrations each week. And today, I uh, have a pie illustration. How many love pie? How many of those service is going to be good if we have a pie illustration, right? All right, but here's what I want to talk is, how do you slice up the pie that God has given to you? Each of us has a pie, represents all the things that we earn, that we have. And uh, God talks to us about how we slice up our pie. And uh, I have some people from our church here help me out. And uh, if you're like most people, you have a home, all right? You have a place. How many know that's a big slice of the pie? Okay, usually the average home is about 35, 40% of income. So this is my brother, Rick, and uh, he's representing the home. Got a little Remax going on there, 35%, all right. And I just want to let you know, I have a second mortgage, so I'm going to give you a little bit more. And it's kind of ugly because it's my second mortgage. All right, but there you go. It's a big, how many know? It's a big slice of the pie, right? All right, and if you're like the average person in our church, you probably have uh, not just one car, but you have two cars. And so Rick here is with uh, Burnsville Toyota, yep. and uh, he's representing car number one. And how many know it could be an Avalon, big slice of pie? How many know even a Prius takes a slice of the pie? You know what I'm saying? All right. And so we got that. And, but again, you're probably like most of the people, so you're trying to figure out how to slice it up. You got two cars, and so you're figuring out. So we got uh, Jim here with Jeff Belzer, Chev. So this big old slice is a Suburban in my world. All right, so that's a Suburban slice. And that's the, uh, the LTZ trim package. All right, so anyways, better give a little more. That was mud flaps. All right. Uh, but right, so it takes a slice. It just keeps taking. I don't care if you're buying or leasing. It, it takes up. All right. And Ben here represents all the groceries that you eat because you, everybody here eats. Some of you have bigger grocery budgets than other. All right, but anyways, that was a bad joke. And uh, so Ben is representing that right there. And so you're eating out, you're eating, you gotta eat. So you gotta figure out how much is that gonna be. And then uh, Jeremy, you're representing hobbies and things like that. And uh, season tickets to the Vikings. You paid that seat licensing, right? Packer fans, you had to pay it too. Don't act all sanctimonious here. All right. But anyways, so you got that. You got uh, golfing. You got hunting. You got working out. You got all that. So you slice up the pie. And Evelyn, you represent fashion. Well done. Well done. Well done. Notice none of these guys were fashion. All right. But you represent fashion and you got to take care of that. And uh, this little Nordstrom right there. That's all I'm saying. But anyways... <laughs> fashion going on and then you get down to the end and Greg who do you represent God so Greg represents God and uh, there's not much left and uh, you just kind of think well Lord I mean I'm overextended I live in Minnesota I got to keep up with everybody I had to have a house and a car and I need a second car and I got to have the tickets I got to have the hobby I got to have the fashion I got the thing and you understand Lord I hear from a lot of people they say I can't tithe because I'm just overextended. My pie is already sliced up. It's already taken. If I got anything left, I'll give it here. And by the way, who brought the pie? Do we know who brought the pie? Yeah, God brought the pie. <laughs> so God brings the pie and we don't even give him the, the biggest slice. We don't even honor him with the first slice. And I want to talk to you today about how you slice up your pie 
what God wants you to do with it, and how you can be more generous with the pie that he's given to you. Let's continue this series, In God We Trust. So we are going to look at how the slices go, and I, I know that we used the apple in week one, which represent tithing, giving God the first bite. We'll talk about that in a minute. But with the pie, I want you to understand, I want you to think about generous giving. I want you to think about generous giving. How can you give God more of the pie? Matter of fact, we should be giving him that first bite of the pie. We should be doing that. But I want you to be thinking generosity. I want you to be thinking, like, how can you do a little bit of a kingdom builders? You know what I'm saying? A little generosity for the Lord and saying, how, how many... Kingdom builders, come on. But it, it's living in that world of saying, God, I want to be generous. I recognize the pie comes from you. Everything I have comes from you. And I want to change my life so that I, I reorganize my life so that I honor you. I give you the biggest slice that I can. I think about giving you more slices. And I definitely think about being an over and above giver, a kingdom builder. I'm giving you the whipped cream. I'm making it so that it, it brings glory and honor to your name. Now, quick overview. We've been talking in this series. And again, each week we had a, a fruit or uh, a food illustration. Week one, we had the apple. We talked about giving God the first bite. Giving God the first bite. It's the principle of honor. Honoring him with the first bite before any slobber is on it. Before anybody else gets a, a bite of the apple, God gets the first bite. And we talked about Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We're giving God. It's a position of honor. Matter of fact, when we give him the tenth, the tenth, the tithe, 10%, in biblical terms, it's, it represented fullness. Why 10%? 10 represented fullness. I'm really like giving you all by giving you the tenth and honoring you and recognizing you have the place of honor in my life. And the tithe is pre-law. We've talked about this. And again, I don't have time to get everybody caught up to speed. It's all online. But in week one, we talked about it's pre-law. Then it was in the law. And then it's after the law. The early church, if you study the history of the church, they talked about tithing. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians, he's referencing back to the model of tithing to pay for the priests, to pay for the pastors. Okay, tithing is there. God gets the first bite. It's an honoring thing. Okay, then we talked about the French fries. And we talked about how God uh, doesn't need your French fries. He supplies all your French fries. He's the one that blesses you with French fries. I love that our campus pastors talked about that illustration. And it was Jesse at our Egan campus. He said his kids were willing to share their French fries, but they were at Culver's and, they, and he went for their cheese curds. They were like, oh, no, no, you don't get the cheese curds. How many know the cheese curds another level? You know what I'm saying? But we talked about... God gave you the fries. He just wants to see if your heart is right. That tithing and sharing and doing like that just shows that your heart is right. And we're really giving back to God everything that he's already given to us. And I hope you grab that in week two. Not to live in Pharaoh fear. Not to live in that Pharaoh famine fear and just living there like, oh no, but I, I got to take care of it and I got to do this. No, God has always been your source. He's been a God of abundance and he's taking care of you. And I love what David, David just realizes this. In 1 Chronicles 29, 14, King David says this. He says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? 
Everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. He's like, Lord, even when we give back the French fries, you gave us the French fries. Everything we have comes from you, and when we think we're being generous, we're just actually giving you back what you already gave to us. And now we continue with the slice of the pie. How are you going to slice up your pie? The pie that God's given to you, it's really his pie. He puts everything into your hands and you've got to decide now, will I give him that first bite? Will I organize my life in such a way that I'll be a good steward? I'm taking care of the pie and I'm going to give an account for what I did with every slice of the pie. I'm going to have to answer for this. And so God's saying, will you grab hold of generosity? Will you realign your life so that God can get more and more of the pie? And I believe that's how he wants us to live. So I want you to grab a hold of generosity today. We've been talking specifically about tithing, but I want you to grab a hold of generosity, of going beyond the tithe, and really something that we call around here kingdom builders. But whether you call it kingdom builders or not, going beyond the tithe and being generous and saying, God, how big of a slice of the pie, how many more slices can I give you? Because being generous is the right way to live. Being generous is the right way. It's the best way to live. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I want my world to get larger and larger. I want, my, I want help. I want God's help. And I want to be generous on every occasion. And I have people come to me and say, Pastor Rob, I want to do the deep things of God. I want to live the deeper things of God. Let me tell you something. Generosity is deep living. Generosity is peak living. You want adventure? See how much you can give to God and see how little of a slice you can actually live on. I'm telling you, there's adventure there. There's, there's passion there. There's peak living. There's deep living and it's something that God calls us to do, to live to a New Testament standard of generosity. Again, tithing was teaching us to honor God. It was showing us that he's our source. But the New Testament doesn't call us to do less. It calls us up to a higher level. Every time you look in the New Testament, God is calling people up to a, a higher level. In the Old Testament, he's like, don't kill. In the New Testament, he's like, don't have those thoughts about killing people. In the Old Testament, he says, don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, he says, don't have the thoughts of adultery. He's taking it up another level. God's like, give 10%. I'm trying to teach you to honor me. I, it just makes logical sense that in the New Testament, everything's going up. So when you say, I'm a New Testament generous giver, you should be going in an upward trend, a generosity bigger than the 10% that was there just as a training tool. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm telling you, God loves it when we're cheerful. God loves when we say, hey, I want to give and I want to I do this. I want to be on, on mission with him. I want to be on this journey. And I, and I want to determine in my heart what I want to do. And, and I'm going to start with the tithe and go up from there. I want to say thank you to all the people in the church that are our first-time tithers in the last couple weeks. We've had more people stop by the church offices at our campuses and our central building just saying, I'm in. I want to be a tither. One, one person called on Wednesday. He's like, is anybody at the church on Wednesday? We got midweek. Yeah, we're here. You know, and they called like, we're here. 
And, and he said, I, I just got to stop on by. I got to get my tithe. I know the weekend's coming, but I want to do it today. I've been thinking, I want to do this. I want to live this way. I'm reorganizing my life and I'm slicing it up differently. God loves that. And he said, all right, now that you're doing that, I want you to think about what you can do with the rest of the pie. And I want you to wrestle with this. I hope today that if you're a tither, you're going to wrestle with this. I hope if you're a generous giver, you're going to wrestle a little bit more. That there's something to this. Brandon Fremont said this. If you want to grow in your faith, wrestle with stewardship. Wrestle with stewardship. Wrestle with how big of a slice can God get? How big should the other slices be in our life? And I know I'm talking to rich people here and I share this every year I speak on giving. But if you go to globalrichlist.com, you will find out you can enter your salary in there. And you can find out how rich you are compared to the rest of the world. And I want to tell you this. If you make $33,000 in the United States of America, you are in the richest 1% of the world. I know it's shocking, but you are in the richest 1% of the world. And many times we look at the richest 1% in America and we're like, they should do something. The rest of the world is looking at you and saying, you should do something. What do you do with all that pie? And you're like, that pie's not that big. Yes, it is. You're in the top 1%. Matter of fact, if you make $100,000, if you make $100,000, you're in the one-tenth of 1%. Matter of fact, if you go to Global Rich List, you'll find out that if you make $100,000 a year, you are the five millionth richest person on this planet. Out of almost 7 billion, you are in the richest 5 million. You are 5 million 97,384, whatever, you're right in there, of the richest people on the planet. And so I'm talking to rich people. I want you to wrestle with this. And I got to tell you this, we are living in an abundant time. We are living in a time that is called a wealth explosion. So it's something we need to talk about a little bit more often. In the book Abundant, uh, the author Todd Harper talks about this, that 98% of the world's wealth, catch this, 98% of the world's wealth has been created in the last 250 years. You take the whole of mankind and you take the last 250 years and 98% of the wealth is growing and happening and manifesting right now at this time. We are living in a time of wealth explosion. Rich people have always been around. That's true, but they were limited in number. They were limited in number. Matter of fact, in the United States of America, the New York Stock Exchange wasn't invented until 1792. In the year 1800, there was only one known millionaire in the United States. In the year 1800, fast forward to where we are now, there are 10 million millionaires in the United States. 10 million. Look at how far we've come in just those short years. And it's, it's like a wealth explosion. Do you realize that right now there are 223,000 financial planners in America? People that will tell you and me how to handle our money, how to get our money to make more money. I mean, there's more financial planners than there were millionaires 100 years ago. We are living in a time of wealth explosion. And this is something that I need to talk to you about, that we need to talk as a church, and it's something that we're dealing with, and it's so important we should almost preach about it monthly, all right? Now I won't, all right? Some of you are like, I'm worried. All right, no, just a series here, and we'll wrap up today. But we should speak about this because this is where we live right now. And as we start to slice up the pie, please don't, please don't hear this in today's sermon. 
that I'm mad at rich people, okay? It is not wrong to be rich. It's not wrong to own a business. It's not wrong to make money. Matter of fact, I want you to know as your pastor and all the pastors on our team, we pray blessing on you. We pray for your finances. We pray for kingdom builders. When people start businesses, we'll go and we'll help dedicate your business to the Lord and pray at the opening. We pray people come up. I'm trying to sell my business. We pray for a great deal. We pray for car sales. We pray. I mean, I'm just telling you, we pray for businesses and we pray for entrepreneurs. And I pray the next Steve Jobs is in our church, the next Bill Gates, the next Oprah Winfrey. Come on, bring it on. I'd even take a Justin Bieber. I'm just saying, you know, come on. Why? Because I know that if you're in this church, you're going to hear the truth about finances. You're going to be generous. You're going to give, all right? And I believe this, that you're blessed to be a blessing. And I'd rather have you make enough so that you could take more slices and help the, to fuel the things of God than to not make enough so that you need benevolence and you need help. And I'd rather have you be there where you're giving out more slices and helping people, all right? So it's not wrong to make money, but listen to this. It's wrong to love money. The Bible is very clear, 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's the love of money. People start to love it, and all they want is money, money, money. So there's nothing wrong with you opening a business, with achieving, with growing your wealth. Those are fine. You need to honor God. You need to make sure that you don't love money. And we're going to talk about that today. Paul, when he was speaking to Timothy's rich church, he says this. I, he says, Timothy, command those that are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's saying, I want them to be generous on every occasion. And I want you to be generous on every occasion. And I want to tell you this. You may think, well, isn't it more virtuous? Isn't it more godly to be poor? The answer is no. It's not more virtuous or godly to be poor. Now, I will tell you this. It's easier to be virtuous and godly if you're poor. Because you recognize that God is your source, that God has given you everything, that God is the one you need to say thank you to. But the rich tend to think, I made this, I did this, and I'm the one. And so when God says, I want you to give me that slice, they go, why? I made that. Why? I baked the pie. And God's like, I beg to differ. And the poor, are, they're just like, I get it. You gave this to me. You, you, you took care of me. You, you're the one that blessed me. You're the one. And so I thank you for that. And so they say, I honor you with this. I honor with this. And they say, thank you, Lord. That's what the poor do. And so that's why Jesus said in Matthew 19, he said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's because they think they made the pie. And that's why the poor widow could go in in Luke 21. And, and the way I see the poor widow in Luke 21, she wasn't going up there all afraid, putting in all that she had. She was going up there in faith and boldness. When I read the, about the widow in Luke 21, you know who I see? I see the grandma from the movie War Room. How many saw War Room? You saw that movie? Okay, so to me, in my mind, when I read Luke 21 and I see the widow going up there, I see her like the grandma going, oh Lord, you've been good to me. Oh Lord, 
you've taken care of me. Lord, I'm dropping all that I have in. Lord, you supply my every need. Oh, I praise your name. You will be glorified, Lord. That's how I see her dropping it in. That's what I'm saying. Okay, if you don't see it that way, you should read the Bible with me. I'm just saying. Now, I don't know what God did with the widow. We don't have the answer, but we know that she put in everything she had and she trusted the Lord. And I'm telling you what, the God I serve filled her pantry. The God I serve took care of her. The God I serve was probably like, that, wow, do you see that? She gave everything she had. And I, I think the Lord was impressed with that. The Lord talks about in Malachi chapter three, if you'll tithe, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. I can't imagine what God does when you give everything you have. It's like God's like, bring the dump truck, bring, bring the semi, bring it in, bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her. She gets it. I'm her source. So whether you're rich or whether you're poor, I'm telling you right now, recognize God is your source. You will trust him. And if you're rich, be very careful. Be very careful that you don't live a life that said, I made the pie, I'll make the next pie. Why does he want any of my pie? It's not your pie. It's his pie. So let's stay humble with this and let's say, God, I, I, I give it to you. I want to go all in. I want to go all in. You know, Here's how I want, I just, I think we want you to live like this. I think we should be like, God, it's your pie. I want to be generous on every, this is last year's kingdom builders. It already melted. All right. And so I, Lord, I generous and I'm going to give you kingdom builders. And Lord, I bless you and I thank you. And I want to pour it out on you. Matter of fact, Lord, we are going to break open the sprinkles. We are going to give you, uh, this is offering even more. Praise God. That's how we ought to live. It's your pie. It's your whipped cream. It's your sprinkles. All glory is yours. We're going to give this pie to whoever's kid is the worst in kids' church today. All right, just let you know. With the sprinkles. Anyways. When you slice up his pie, you start looking for ways to be more generous. I mean, Proverbs 21, 26 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. I love to give. I'm like, Lord, how can I give more? How can I give you the whipped cream, the sprinkles, all that? How can I do this? How can I bless you? This year when we were praying about our kingdom builders commitment, I said to Becca, I said, I think we're supposed to give 20% more. And she's like, I didn't, I didn't hear that. I said, pray again, you know. And she prayed again. She came back. She's like, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. God's been so good. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And that's how we want to live. Now, I want you to realize this. When you're generous, here's a couple things that happen. First of all, he will bless you. God will bless you. If you're going to live generous, you give him the first slice, you give him the tithe, and you say, God, how can I reorganize my life to give you even more? He is going to bless you. There are so many verses, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken over, running over into your lap. You got that. Proverbs talks about this. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. He's saying, I, you get it, you understand it, you will be blessed. He's going to take care of you as you are generous. You just got to believe that. Another thing that happens is gloom starts to lift off of you. Gloom does. Some people are depressed, again, because they're looking at the pie and they think they made the pie. They think it's all their pie. And so gloom is on them. Isaiah 58.10 says this, and if you give what you have to the hungry and fill the needs of those who suffer, then your light will rise in the darkness and your darkness will be like the brightest time of day. He's saying your worst day is going to be their best day. Gloom is going to lift off of you. There's something about giving. There's something about generosity that lifts your spirit, that brings you to another level of brightness. God wants to lift your gloom. Come on, turn to your neighbor, look at their face and see if they need to give more. Come on, go ahead and do that. And if they look gloomy, just say, come on, you better give a little more, all right? 
Here's another thing. Other people bless God. Here's a beautiful thing. God blesses you when you give because something happens with you. Gloom lifts, all these things happen. You put it in the right order and all of a sudden you give. Those people are blessed, okay? But then others bless God. See, it doesn't just end with you doing humanitarian aid. Generosity doesn't end there. It's like, oh, good, we, we got them shoes, we got them food, and all that's good. But here's the thing, it doesn't end there. It goes from you, God does a work in you, God blesses them, that's awesome, it's amazing. Then they praise God, that's what the Bible tells us. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 14, I'm gonna read it in the J.B. Phillips translation. He was like the message before the message was out, you know, and it says this, who gives, God gives seed to the sower and turns that seed into bread to eat. He will give you the seed of generosity to sow and for harvest, the satisfying bread of good deeds well done. The more you are enriched by God, the more scope there will be for generous giving. And your gifts administered through us will mean that many will thank God for your giving does not end in meeting the wants of your fellow Christians. It results in an overflowing tide of thanksgiving to God. Get that? He's like, it's doing something in you. It's doing something in them. And then Thanksgiving is bubbling up. And how many know when you're thanking God, good things are happening? Okay. And then he says, moreover, your very giving proves the reality of your faith. So it validates that you really believe this. And that means that men thank God that you practice the gospel that you profess to believe in, as well as the actual gifts you make to them and to others. And yet further, men will pray for you and feel drawn to you because you have obviously received a generous measure of the grace of God. I'm telling you what, generosity and giving goes from you to them, to the praise of God. It validates your faith. And then you want to be a better witness. You want to evangelize more, be generous. It says that they're going to be drawn to you. You know, people are drawn to our church. Like what in the world is going on? They're parting with money. They love money so much and they see us parting with money and giving millions of dollars around the world. And then you know what happens? They're like, I want to find out about that. And then they're drawn to God. They find faith in Jesus Christ and their whole life is changed. Do you realize that? Your generous giving just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. Slice the pie differently. Give them the whip. Come on. Give them the sprinkles. Your children learn generosity and you parent better. That's another thing. Your children learn generosity and you parent better. 97% of tithers start in their teens or early 20s. You say, well, I'm older than that. Well, then just be outside of average. Be above average, all right? Get in. But here's the thing. Most people see it modeled, and they do that, all right? Number one factor for generous givers is that they saw their parents model generous giving. You say, well, I don't want to give them the tithe check or let them click the mouse button to see what our tithe is. Well, let them see what your kingdom builders is. Let them give that check and let them see that. Disciple them in generosity because study after study after study has shown that if you will show your children that you're generous, that you love God, that God gets the whipped cream and the sprinkles and he gets a bigger slice and the extra slice goes to God, I'm telling you, they will start to catch that. You'll be a better parent. Now, I'll tell you two incomes that are hard to parent at, below 50000 and above 250000 Below 50000 you don't have enough to meet all those needs that are pressing on you. And if you're in that situation, we have ministries for you. We have benevolence. We have local outreach. We have things that we want to be a blessing to single parents. Okay? We want you to understand that. Matter of fact, I'm just going to say this. If you're a single parent and you make less than $50,000, your kids go to camp for half price. I just said it. We'll figure out who's paying for it later. But we're just going to put our money where our mouth is. I'm just telling you. Okay? Matter of fact, I just want to start a generosity thing right now. 
Becca and I are going to pay for two kids to go to camp for that because we don't have two kids going to camp anymore. Anybody else who wants to join us? This is not Kingdom Builders. This is just, gen- this is sprinkles. This is sprinkles, okay? I'm just going to send some kids to camp. I'm just, so under 50 is dangerous, but let me get this. Over 250 is dangerous. Why? Because if you start taking bigger slices for yourself, your kids think it's all about you. Your kids start to think it's all about them. And they start seeing money as more important. So if you make more than 250000 you better start living very generous. You better make sure that God is getting a bigger piece of the pie. Because it's a dangerous spot that you're in. And I don't want you to be in that spot. I don't want you to be in that spot where you say, well, my kids are going to turn out horrible. Do you know that it's hard to pass wealth to the fourth generation if you make a lot of money? Because it's easy to spoil them, to ruin them, to let them have the sprinkles and have them think it's all about them. Don't give God sprinkles to your children. That could be a nursery rhyme or something, or I don't know. <laughs> Another thing it does, it builds unity. When you give, it builds unity. The early church had great unity. In Acts chapter 2, it says they sold all their stuff and they gave, and no one had need. They took care of everyone, and there was great unity in the church, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. When we give in the offering, when you give, let me talk about this personally. When you give in the offering, you put in your gift but it becomes the offering. Okay, it's bigger than you. And then the offering takes care of all of what's going on. When you give to Kingdom Builders, you know what happens? You put your gift in, but it becomes the gift of Kingdom Builders. Nobody's name's on the annual report that we, that we put out this weekend. Nobody's name is on that, okay? It's not like, hey, and you gave this. Your gift became the gift. And it became God's offering. Okay, and it brings unity. And I, I'll, I'll just give a teachable moment to our Edina area campus, soon to be Crosstown campus, when they move in the new building. Um, if you're in that campus and you're not giving to Kingdom Builders and we move into that new building, here's what's going to happen. You are not going to be unified with everybody else. You're not going to be unified. They're going to be like, we gave, we did this. And they're going to walk in on the first day and it's going to be amazing. Oh, we get to fill this with people for Jesus. We're going to pack this thing five services a week. And we're going to go for it and reach people and we're right on Crosstown. I mean, they're going to be all excited and you're going to walk in and because you weren't part of it, you're going to be out of step with the unity. Different amount of gifts that each of us give. God has given us different pie sizes, all right? But if you don't give, you're going to walk in there and you're not going to be in unity. And you might be like, well, I don't like giving to buildings. I don't like How many know God doesn't bless that tone? Not even if it's tongues. He doesn't bless. He doesn't bless that. You're going to walk in. I didn't like the building. Don't hurt the unity. It builds unity. And the church was giving and taking care of needs. And then just beautiful things happen when there's that unity. Another thing that happens is it fights coveting. If you make a lot and your pie is growing and your pie is big, we start looking at it, it's easy to be like, man, I need more of the pie. I need more pie. I need more pie. One of the things Beck and I have done is we give percentage giving. We said, here's our needs. And everything we make over that, we're going to give 30% of every dollar of that. All right, we did that a long time ago. I'll tell you what, we set that number when I was making $24,000 a year. We said, here's what we need to live on. How many know when you're here, you think it's here? When you get here, you think it's here? You know, but we set the number at 24,000. We said, when we get to that number, 30% of every dollar goes to the Lord. And I'm telling you what, the more that comes in, the more that God blesses us with things, 30%. I'm telling you, it fights coveting. There's things that we don't buy, but everything we don't uh, buy allows us to give. There are things that sometimes we want to buy and we have a check in the spirit and God's like, not, not that. And we're like, okay, we're not going to buy that. 
We're not going to buy that because that wouldn't be healthy for us. And I'm going to tell you what, it, when you give, it fights that coveting. When you give God the whipped cream, it, it helps. And it's, it's much like you're, you can get coveting cholesterol. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I have my cholesterol report here. Um, I, you know, I had a heart attack and I, I went to the doctor. I'm on a statin, you know, and my cholesterol is 150, which is good. My HDL is 41. My LDL is 77. My cholesterol used to be like 248, okay? So it was horrible. Now it's 150. And the doctor looked at me. He's like, good, 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 good. All right. This is my giving report for the year. I could look at this and say, all right, there, there. How many know that if we had you print out your giving report from the church, you could show it to your campus pastor and he could be like, oh, we better prescribe a statin for you. You know, like a lot of cholesterol or company cholesterol here. Woohoo, you better hit the treadmill. All right. Uh, you know, right? I mean, this one tells me how my heart is doing with cholesterol. This one tells me how I'm doing with coveting. And by the way, if you look at your giving report and it is not showing health, I'll tell you what, we have a class. It's called Advance. We used to call it Financial Peace University. We combine Financial Peace University, the blessed life together, and we call it Advance. We want you to advance into what God wants you to be as a generous giver. You can sign up at your campus. It's a life group. We want you to go there. It will fight the cholesterol that will build up from coveting. And the last thing I'll say is um, when we give generously, we build a legacy. When I look at this right here, I see legacy. I see churches we're going to build, people we're going to help. I see things that kills the cholesterol in my life. I see things that God's like, I'm going to take that. I want to use it for good. And I'll tell you what, there's people that are going to praise God's name. They're going to go, we're, we're going to get to heaven someday. And I just have this picture of people coming up to us from different countries. And we're like, I never went there. And they're going to come up like, thank you. You were a kingdom builder. You, you gave the whipped cream to India. Thank you. Thank you. They're going to say, thank God you gave the sprinkles. You gave the sprinkles to Swaziland. Thank God you gave that extra piece of pie. That's what I see happening. I see legacy. I see God that you get the pie, you get the bigger slice, you get the whipped cream, you get the sprinkles, you get more. And, and it's just amazing as God, we're generous. He starts blessing us more and he blesses us with more than money. He blesses us in so many different ways. And I pray that what we do with our pie, the way we slice it up, I pray that we slice it up, it would say, I honor you, I adore you, I'm on mission for you, I truly believe this. I get it. I reorganize my life around this. Man, you got the pie, you got the big bite, you got the extra bite, you got the whipped cream, you got the sprinkles. Every slice I have in my life says you're first, Lord. You're first. I'm living for you and not for me. So Lord, I just pray that you'd grab hold of us right now and you'd help us to be generous right now in every area with our labor, with our influence, with our finances, with our experiences, with our time. I pray that we'd disciple people, we'd give, we'd evangelize, we'd serve, we'd bring glory to our Father. I pray that we'd look at the pie that's in our hands and we realize we're of the richest of the world and we'd share the pie. We'd, we'd honor you with the pie. We'd give you great big slices. We'd give you the whipped cream. We'd give you the sprinkles. And we say, Lord, let every slice, let every uh, whipped cream, let every sprinkle, let every sacrificial gift, let every gift from our abundance say we love you, we honor you, we recognize you're our source and we are living 
for your glory and your honor. Help us, Lord, to be generous. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.